Hi, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Thomas. And this is the Unbossing Podcast. A show about unleashing the full potential of every organization. So, David, what is it, what is fascinating us about your story? What is fascinating us is the following. What we hear from many clients and prospective clients is the following. Guys, I find your unbossing inspiration fantastic. But unfortunately, in my business, you know, in my business, it would never work. Believe yeah. me. I have I have experience of uh, 20 years in my sector. Everything has to be uh, has to be top quality. Uh, we cannot deal with variations uh, in the outcome. So, guys, I wish you much success in unbossing the next fancy startup and maybe an advertising agency. Much success, guys, but not in my business. Yeah. And now. And now, David, to be very, very honest, the amount of time we used already your videos, you won't believe it. <laughs> because you, you know where I'm getting to, David. Eh? Because if you can unboss a nuclear submarine, right. you can unboss everything. And that, that's, just, that's just the sentence which we use. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. So, um, so go ahead. Yeah. David, I know you have told that story already a million times, and I just discussed it with Nick. Um, but please, we need it also on the podcast. Could you please uh, shortly tell us the story of, of Captain Marquette, who was forced to, to unboss a nuclear submarine? In, yeah, other yeah. in other words, David, the first five minutes of the podcast, we will leave you in your comfort zone, telling your story uh, again, and then I'll come up with the tough questions. <laughs> okay, good. Well, look, my uh, I, I sort of was, um, I felt like Thomas, when you were telling your story, that was sort of my story. As I came up, so I came up through the ranks in the Navy, and it was always about telling people what to do. and. The model, the, the way I picture this model is, is like this. So we said, hey, am I supposed to know my job? Yes. And do I tell people what to do? Yes. So I, my, my job as a leader is to make decisions. I do the thinking. They do the doing. And this was, I was very good at doing this. And this is, this is the place where I wanted to be in this matrix. And I was, because I was so good at telling people what to do, they made me a submarine commander. So here I am getting ready to take, take over on my submarine. But the, here's the wrinkle. I wasn't supposed to go to this submarine. I was supposed to go to a different submarine. I'd never been on a submarine as new as this one. The reason I was going there was because the, the crew had the lowest morale and the worst performance. And the previous captain quit um, early. And so there was no one set to take his place. And they said, hey, Marquet, you go Santa Fe. And when I walked on board, 
uh, like in the control room, I understood how everything should work and I understood the theory, but I didn't understand the specific buttons that you would have to push to make the submarine go. But we had this habit. Okay, I'm supposed to know the answers and I'm supposed to give all the orders because I'm the submarine captain. And the crew wanted me to tell them what to do. It wasn't like it was forced. They wanted me to tell them what to do. And I gave some orders. And on the very first day, I gave orders that were didn't make sense. No one got hurt, fortunately, but they just didn't make sense. And my instinct, and the officers would order it anyway. This was the scary part. And so my instinct was to say, oh, no, you need to speak up. You be empowered. You be proactive. You tell me if you think it's wrong. You, 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 you guys are all messed up. I'm fine. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, but I need you guys to change. I'd heard the speech many, 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 many times. And as I was giving it, it struck me as false. It struck me as hypocrisy. It struck me as not taking responsibility for what I needed to do, what I could control, which was my own language. And so I changed the whole thinking and I said, okay, how about this? How about we change this? How about I talk to you guys in a way that it makes it easy for you guys to take initiative, you guys to be proactive and never puts you in a position where you have to tell me I'm wrong because that's hard to tell your boss you're wrong. And sometimes we see it and we say, oh, look, my team has that behavior, but you know what? Probably nine, for everyone you saw, there were nine times people thought you were wrong. They just didn't say. Mm -hmm. And so my thing was never give an order. I said, well, how about this, guys? They knew I was trained for a different submarine. And they knew they were on the worst performing submarine. And I said, are you guys ready to try something different? They said, sure. Why not? Can't get worse. I said, well, how about this? How about I never give an order? And they're like, what? You're the captain. I've never seen that. How does that, what's that look like? I said, well, the way it looks like is you come to me and you just say, here's what I intend to do. I intend to load torpedoes tomorrow. I intend to submerge the submarine in five minutes. But that's not the whole thing. You got to say, hey, here's, here's why it's safe. I, all the personnel are below. We've shut the hatches. I've checked the water depth. I intend to submerge the submarine. But also, why are we doing that? Why does it, how does it support the mission? And then we'd have these conversations, but there were two things that were really, really important about this. Number one, the conversations always started with the team coming to me. Rarely, I would say, hey, what, what's the plan with the torpedoes? We're changing missions from one kind of a mission to a different kind of a mission. I know that we need a different kind of setup in the torpedo room, but it doesn't seem like the team is acting on that information. So I might have to prompt them, but I always tried to let them come up with the answer, let them see. And then the second thing, uh, so it always initiated with the team. And people use this phrase, oh, lean in. They say, well, who are you leaning into? Oh, I lean into my team. Oh, well, that's just that's just like horrible. You're just telling them what to do and they're telling the next people what to do and it's stressful, it doesn't work. I, I viewed myself as leaning back 
So my team could lean into me. So number one is the initiative comes from below. Number two is that the conversation happens before the action, before the event. We talk about submerging the ship before we submerge the ship. This is why saying, oh, no, no, I'm going to empower you guys. Just do it. This is not a good idea. Because <laughs> now it's too late. We've already made the mistake. We already put the product out there. We've already, it, now I have these, now I have to have feedback because it already happened. So mm. what we would always say is invite invite feedback before the event because that makes it stronger and less likely of making the problem i don't like i don't want to be really good at giving people feedback after they've had problems i want to be really good at not having problems so the the image that we use a lot of times people think empowerment's like a light switch oh i'll tell you no flip no you tell me no this is and the problem with this is too scary. And so you don't want that. What you want is something more like this, where we say, okay, I'm going to give you more and more authority. And I'm going to say, what do you see? What do you think? What would you do if you were me? What would you like permission to do? And then, and here's the, here's the magic spot. What do you intend to do? The reason that's magic is because with permission, the answer is, no, unless you hear yes from everybody. Mm -hmm. this, is the, this is a way to design organizations to make sure nothing ever happens because it's just really hard to get a bunch of people to say yes. They may, you might not even get, get on the schedule. I can't even get a meeting with the CEO. So when Thomas is the CEO of the sugar company, People are out there waiting to do things because they're trying to meet with, with the CEO. So, right. yeah, and, and we feel good, but we all we have this nagging sense. This is not really very good because they don't. So with intent, hey, this is what I intend to do. I type an email. Captain, we, most of our conversations just happen face-to-face -face in the control room. Or the officers would just say, Captain, I intend to submerge the ship. Here's why, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're very quick like that because we're all together. But in a business, a lot of these happen on email. The email goes out, not just to the boss, not just to one person, but to everybody who cares. Hey, next week, we intend to launch the new product. Here's the testing we've done. Here's the market. Here's help us. Like we're now we're interested in ideas that the product's not ready. Or, or what are we missing? Or is there a feature? Or should we delay launch? Or even if none of those things are the case, you, now you know and you can prepare. The salespeople can prepare. The marketing people can prepare. Um, uh, uh, operations can pre prepare for having a new product out there all ahead of time. And it's magic because ownership then comes from within. Yeah. Yeah. So I have become convinced that we're all sort of programmed by the industrial revolution. And we're, we were, we're, we are talking to each other as if we're running this organization here where this person, this person over here 
is telling all of these people what to do. And our organizations don't look like this anymore, but the words that we use at work are the exact same words that these people would have used at work. Thomas, what I, the, the, the one thing that strikes me uh, was, I don't want to be good at feedback. I want to be good at not having problems. Yeah. And the the, yeah. the the way to get there is to have, to create space for dialogue in a group, in a team, before you start acting. And David, you cannot imagine how many times we repeat that message when we are working with customers, uh, trying to support them on their journey to shift from command and control and say like, guys, the first two, three months, just talk, just dialogue, just talk about what you intend to do. And more often than not, David, the feedback that we get is, yeah, that's all good. But when are we start doing it? You know, when, 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 when we do, do we go into action? Can you, do you hear what I'm saying? Can you, can you relate with that? Yeah, so I think when, when we say start talking, we invite people to start talking in a very specific way, which is observation and description. Mm -hmm. we, well, what we'll say is when you're shifting from, okay, I'll tell you to you tell me, the first step is... I just need you to tell me more how you see the problem. You're closer to the work than I am. So I would ask questions like, well, what do you see that I don't see? What do you know about this that I don't know? Or how does the team see it? Tell me more about it. Uh, you were with the customer the other day. How do they, how do they see? And the reason we always start with observation and description is because First of all, it's a learnable skill. And secondly, it's safe. It doesn't feel scary for me to say, oh, yeah, the, uh, when, I, when I told them about it, the customer's face kind of went like this, and they seemed a little bit bummed out. Okay, well, let's tell me more about that. I mean, I wasn't at the meeting. You were. You saw the reaction. And this, I, I'm not going to you and say, well, what should we do about it? That's scary because I can be wrong. I can pick a court. Now you're making me make a decision, which is emotional. You're just asking me to tell you about it. And we always start there. We always start with description. And then we say, well, what do you think? How did this happen? What came before this? What's causing this? What's the root cause? And then we, then we go to, so if you were me, what would you do? So it's this graduated process. Yeah, and it and and David, I, I mean, I, I obviously I fully agree, and I also see this process takes. I mean, you have to take your time with that specific person to ask those questions and to listen to the answers. Yeah, and what we often see in many organizations is that the more uh, up you go in the hierarchical chain the less time leaders have to talk with people like it's okay. We have 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and in these 15 minutes, we have to have a decision on what we're going to do, which right. makes it really hard to ask those questions and have an in-depth dialogue. Right. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm in multiple ways. Number one is when you put time pressure on people, it they're you're impairing their ability to do deep thinking in the prefrontal cortex. So you you're just you're handicapping them right there. And then secondly is it doesn't need to take that long. So for example, the in this model, my journey took me through these quadrants, but I saw how powerful it was when I stopped telling my team what to do, even when I thought I knew the answer. The point is not to know the answer. The point is to know the answer uh-huh. and resist the urge to tell them what to do. That's the hard part. Uh, 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 oh, so true. Yeah. yeah. The joy, you, you, the joy you know it. Pain. You know it. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. And they do it in a way, and that's that's the crucial, and that's so that's suffering. If they do it in a way, David, another way, like you would have done it yourself, right? You know, right, you, see right, them, right. you see them doing it in another way right. and you have to resist this urge. But guys, Nick, David, you both are so relaxed at this moment. And guys, we are talking about a captain of a U.S. nuclear submarine who refused to give orders. Please, Nick, can you let that sink in again? Because I'm still falling from my chair. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 well. because you are talking about it, Nick, in, in such a relaxed way as if it's the most normal thing in the world. For me, I still can't believe it. And, yeah. and I would like to know, David, uh, how did your people look at you as if you come from Mars or what? Yeah. And, and, and I guess there were not only the, the euphoric believers who who embraced you uh, and, 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 and and kissed you and said, David, finally, finally, uh, uh, you you have this realization. So how how did you convince or how did they convince themselves of that what you are proposing here or what you are doing here uh, makes some sense? Yeah, it actually wasn't quite as big a jump. It's from a psychological basis, it was huge. But we were operating in a, in a permission-based environment. The, the officers tended to come to me and say, I'd like permission to do this. I'd like permission to submerge the submarine. Request yep. permission to submerge the submarine. And I just said, look, just tell me what you intend to do. So I didn't try and convince people it was the right thing to do. I just said, just use these other words. <laughs> and, and and some of the people got it right away and they were just like, oh, that's I'm t- here's what I intend to do, here's why I'm doing, it. here's what I intend to do, is why I'm some people were like, yeah, I'll have to watch and see how this goes. But remember, it was the worst they people were walking around like zombies. It was horrible to be, it was so sad to go on board the submarine. They thought they were so they they weren't nearly as bad as they thought they were, but the morale was really, really in the dumps. And when I said so first of all, I, I didn't fire anybody because as soon as I fired one guy, I knew I just sends the message, you're the problem. And I said, yeah. you guys are not the problem. The problem is you're putting in the, you're putting the structure where we don't, we, 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 we are overprivileging doing at the expense of thinking. You've been trained your whole careers to do what you're told, not necessarily think. We got to flip the whole thing to thinking now. But here's the key. There, at, at one point, we're going to shift from thinking to doing. And that's the point when we say, commence starting the reactor, commence loading the torpedo. Now we open the book 
and we go page by page, A, B, C, D, and we do mm -hmm. that with precise compliance on the procedure. But beforehand, and where we say, okay, when, why, what team are we going to use? And then afterwards, how do we do? Uh, did we achieve what we were trying to do? How are we going to make it better next time? That's where the thinking wraps around the doing parts. All right. Thank you very Great. much. Now, David, you also used here a, um, a very specific expression, the wordings, the words you used. And we know from your videos that, just as an example, when you switched from talking about they, they didn't come through with their part. They yeah. made a mistake. We are waiting for them. When you were switching to we, that was a pivotal moment. And uh, maybe you could talk a bit about this, 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 this importance of the words being used why? Because we see that every day in the corporate world, they yeah. want against me. Yeah. So, the, so there's a couple of things. Uh, first, so first of all, this is the story. I like to tell it with this story. So we're doing firefighting training. And uh, it, fires, of course, is a very big deal on a submarine because you can't escape. There are zero fire exits. And we have to put on this equipment. We have equipment here where uh, it sees through the smoke and, and it's an it's a infrared thermal imager. We have these backpacks. And so when we start the exercise, we start a timer and we measure how long it takes for the team to show up like this. And then they have a hose to attack the fire. And we were not doing very good by the times that we needed to. And we get together afterwards, like, a, like I say, an agile team would do. We do a retrospective and we say, how did it go? And that kind of thing. And I kept hearing this day, like they didn't, they didn't uh, change the batteries when they were done last time. So I, so the, it was dead. They didn't, they didn't untangle the equipment. So I had to spend 30 seconds straightening everything. They didn't recharge the bottle. So I had to go grab a fresh, whatever it was, they, they, they. Now on a submarine, that's a, it's a crazy thing to say because the bunks are stacked up like this. So I'm saying like, they, that person who lives like, I could go like this, bang, bang, bang. I'm beating on the bottom of your bed, but I refer to you as they. Oh, why? Because, oh, you're an officer, I'm enlisted. Oh, I'm a chief, you're, you're an officer, or I'm an engineering and you're an operator. So that's they. Now, when you say they, what's that, what happens? When you say the word they, it it's, tells your brain that person is a, in a different tribe. Yeah. Not in my tribe. Be careful about trusting that person. When you and, and anyway, I got upset, so I beat the table and I said, "There's no they on Santa Fe." It was very upset. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just said, "You you can't say the word they anymore. You can say the word they when you were talking about people back in the Pentagon, but not for anyone on board the submarine." So. That's going to be we. So people would say, well, they, we ordered the wrong part. Well, they, well, we didn't square away the equipment. Mm -hmm. And, and, and mm -hmm. so the so first thing that happens is there's no blame. There's, there's no, because now you're saying we did it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So uh, the second thing though, 
is when you say the word we, what does it tell your brain? Oh, this person, I'm referring to them as we. And so therefore they're in my tribe. I can trust them. And I feel like we're moving, like we're shoulder, we're, we're moving together, like two people walking down a path together, not sitting across the table from each other where we're pointing fingers at each other. So, so our brains actually changed. And it was the habit of using the word we, which resulted in us feeling like we were one big team, one big tribe, not me putting up posters about be one big tribe or me even talking about being on one or even have a culture of collaboration, whatever words you want to use. None yeah. of that happened. We simply practice. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I find that just amazing, and especially this sentence, what you're saying. The moment you say they, you train your own brain to say they are from another tribe, they are not to be trusted. It's, it, it, it's amazing. I immediately get it. I heard it from you for the first time in a video. Now I hear it again. And, and I will use that and hammer on that uh, without end, uh, uh, David, because This is happening as we speak a million times in every corporate environment. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, about, uh, you guys, Thomas and Nick, but I have a lot of fun because when I, when I start with an organization, I, you can hear them talking ahead of time and maybe there's a, a call ahead of time or you watch them in a meeting and, they, and I'm just listening. And so the people in engineering are talking about operations as they, or the people in operations are talking about marketing. Well, they, and so I'm hearing all this stuff and I'm like, okay, I see how it, because <laughs> that's where the team ends. Like engineering will think, oh, we're engineering, yeah, we're software engineers. We're the cream of the crop. You know, look how much we get paid. They are the big problem. <laughs> exactly. Um, and now that we're that we're switching to to your the 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 chapter in your life, David, where you're trying to use your experience of the Santa Fe to inspire others, um, I'm I'm very curious to that uh, because obviously, well, you had both a crisis on the Santa Fe as well as your internal beliefs that triggered you to do things differently. Now you tried. Uh, for um, several years to to inspire other organizations to to go on the same journey, and I was just wondering what are your biggest insights and and also disappointments that you've experienced in that new chapter uh, with regards to your experience on your own submarine. Uh, so so number one is we're all the same. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I've done events in India, China, London, New York, LA, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, whatever, all over the world. And over and over and over again, um, tech companies, construction companies, finance companies, military, organization, policing, whatever, and, and nonprofits. And, and some people will say, oh, well, we're different. Okay. In this yes. culture, blah, or 
in the sugar industry, blah, or in financial services, yeah. blah. And then when I just, I started asking them, well, okay, now tell me about like, what do you, what, what do your people do? What, what do you care about? What do they want with their lives? It's all the same. People want <laughs> a job that matters and they want the, having purpose by itself doesn't help anybody. You need a strong purpose and the ability to do something about it. So you need to have some amount of authority to move. If you're just a cog like these people are, it doesn't matter whether this company is making windmills or nuclear bombs because there's no ownership here. They don't do, they don't think, they're not thinking, they're not making decisions. They're just doing what they're told. So they can make whatever they want. I don't even care what I'm making. Yeah. But when we give people the ability to make decisions, that's the most, that's the biggest health thing, change. It's like um, telling people what to do is like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day in terms of your health. It's bad for you and it's bad for them. And so we've had amazing stories. Um, first of all, Nick, the, the other thing is I, I never think of it as inspiring anybody. Humans are inspired. No client, no one ever came to us and said, well, convince us this is the right way to do it. Like, fine, I don't care. Like, if you don't fundamentally believe that your people want to do good things, that they have the ability to think and they yeah. see things that you don't see, I can't help you. All of our I clients. I love it. Yeah, like, like Thomas, like all of our clients believe that We'll be happier, we'll be richer, we'll make more money, we'll have better products, the customers will be happier if I let the people closer to the work make more decisions about it. Mm -hmm. And my life will be better because I don't run around and check on everyone all, all the time because they're checking <laughs> on themselves. So if you don't fundamentally believe that, don't call me. That's not, it's not going to work. So we're in a fortunate position where we don't really sell anything. It's it's the people who already believe it. They say, "Hey, give me a help. Give me some help. Maybe give me an inspirational story that I can, so I can believe I'm not alone on this journey, folks. Yeah. You are not alone. You're on the right path. It will feel lonely. There's a lot of things that are pushing against us. Human nature, tradition, the way it's been done. Old white guys like me." Who, who who still like to be in control, like people lined outside their desk, uh, outside their door, waiting for the hear the word. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that goes against this. The education system is one of them. Uh, but in general, uh, not in general, it's the right way to do, it's the right way to treat human beings, to treat them as thinking animals as opposed to just machines mm -hmm. yeah one, it's amazing one, and 100%. Nick, just one parallel yeah. yeah david just said he works only with believers and he works with these believers on the question of how and whose mission is exactly the same ours isn't that amazing I, I i agree thomas and he uh i also like the fact that david mentions that a lot of things are working against us even if we have the belief human nature or scholar system and that's exactly what we see i mean we are so conditioned 
to um, how it used to be that even though we truly believe, uh, we have that fundamental belief, we have to let go a lot of um, old convictions about how it's supposed to be in order to manifest what we believe. And so therefore my question would be, David, did you as a human being and a leader, as a human being personally develop um, and grow through your journey on your own submarine and, and also afterwards? Was it also a personal transformation for yourself? Yeah, 100%, because I had to... So now, first of all, I'm focusing on my behavior. So if I... If I someone comes up to me and they say, Captain, I intend to surface the submarine in one hour. And in my head, my immediate thought is, that's not, nah, we don't want to do that. That's wrong. Why would we do that? <laughs> and I would, my programming, and it's, it's, it's just habits. It's, 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 I, I just believe we were, we, we talked the way we learned from our parents and, and high school and grade school. And that's just how we talk. We don't realize there's a different way to, to talk and interact. And exactly. so one of, the, one of the ways that we, we like to talk is that we like to ask binary questions. So a yes, no question. Are you sure? Uh, and is it safe? Is the COVID vaccine safe? It, it, these binary questions make no sense because is the COVID vaccine safe is not a question that you can answer. It puts a person in a box. It's a coercion. Mm -hmm. So if they, if they believe you should take the COVID vaccine, they'll say yes. If they believe you shouldn't take a COVID vaccine, then they'll say no. But that doesn't answer the question. They're answering the question, are you going to get a COVID vaccine or not? Not the question, is it safe? Because the question, is it safe, doesn't make any sense. The question, mm -hmm. how safe is it? So our thing is, I had to train myself over and over again, start the question with the word how. How safe is it? How sure are you? Are you sure? Like, oh, you're making me take responsibility for predicting the future. Hey, I think the client's upset. We ought to do this. Are you sure? You're making me predict the future. I can't predict the future. I said, well, I'm 60% sure. Hey, I think we're, I think that's not the target. I, I don't think that's an enemy ship. I think that's a cruise ship. Are you sure? Well, no, but I just <laughs> thought it was important enough to say that. And so I had to keep training myself to ask questions in a way, because I say, well, are you sure? No, 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 don't worry about it. Never mind. Okay. And then you, that's how you shoot the wrong people. So over and over and over again, I had to retrain myself um, how to ask questions, how to stay quiet, how to start with just simply observe, hey, what do you see? Like over and over again, people come to me. So Captain, I got a problem with this pump. What should I do? Oh, um, tell me more about that. I mean, that was my favorite thing to say. And, <laughs> and I gave my team, we had this game where I gave them um, like so uh, re uh, referee, football referee yellow cards. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, if I tell you guys what to do, you get their yellow card me. So, because I'm trying not to tell you guys what to do. Fantastic. Mm, cool. Thomas, Thomas. Just what? 
can I, can I, uh, you're gonna hate oh, me? For we, no, don't, don't, don't tell me we're already at the time limit, Nick. No, 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 no not it. at all, not at all, not at all. But you're gonna hate me for the question I'm gonna ask. That, that, <laughs> I'm just warning you, David. Uh, I can imagine that being a captain in the uniform with all these gold medals, that's a real ego booster, you know, being the decisive leader. Yeah. What did it do to you to become, shall I say, the one of the least important persons? You know, the one who. What did that do to you to 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 your to your ego, of no longer being the guy who knew everything? <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this. So that's interesting. Be, I'm the book I'm working on right now is about ego. Hmm. It's about Because, ego defense. And 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 why is it about ego? Because I think people don't understand what ego does to them and how mm. it hurts them. Or they maybe they understand how it hurts them. It prevents them from learning. It prevents them from admitting they don't know. It prevents them from being vulnerable. It prevents them from uh, forgiving. It hurts relationships. And it ultimately hurts your happiness. And... The way I thought about it, it, there's two things here. Number one is I, my dream job was to be a submarine commander. I didn't care about anything after that. So I wasn't trying to prove anything to anybody. I just wanted to be the best submarine commander that I, I could be. My focus was on the people and our mission. So I call it care, don't care. Care deeply and passionately about the people and the mission but don't care about how I present to my, my boss or am I looking good? I, I don't deliberately sabotage that, but, but that's just not, it wasn't a thing that caused me to do anything one way or, or the other. It just, it, it was irrelevant. And the second thing is, I always, up to this point, I always felt like uh, in American football, we have a quarterback who's sort of the, the head of the team, looks at the defense, calls plays, or the, sometimes the coach sends the play in, but the quarterback is the one who's doing the call. But the quarterback also gets sacked, take, gets hit. And, and I always viewed myself as I'm the quarterback for my life. I tell, I call the plays. I say, okay, now I'm going to be funny or now I'm going to go to a party or now I'm going to get this job or now I'm going to interact with this person. So I would, call, I would decide, I would deploy my players, which were my knowledge, skills, and abilities to make things happen in the world. The problem is when the quarterback gets sacked, you're so, this is when your ego comes up because your ego wants to get back at that person. Your ego is stuck in the past. And then I would say, what would the coach say? The coach doesn't care about that. The coach didn't get hit. The coach, so coach looks out in the field and says, oh, David took a, David took a beating there. <laughs> But the coach then very immediately says, what are we going to do with the next eight minutes of the, of the game? Mm -hmm. Because the coach is not stuck in the past. The coach is looking for the future. And, and so now I think, I mean, there are moments when you want to be in the, you want to be the quarterback. You want to be in the moment. You're riding a cycling race and you're riding 
20, 25 miles an hour, two inches behind the wheel of the person in front of you, you need to be paying attention. But for a lot of things, when you feel, oh, well, I'm worried about my boss saying this, or I'm worried about people will think I'm not smart, or I need any of those sort of social things. I find it better to think of yourself as the coach. And I would say, what would the coach do? And I would say, what would the coach want David to do now? And I'd be talking about myself in third person like that, to myself. What's the coach going to tell me now? The coach is going to say, you know, get over it. Focus on the future. The future is what matters. This is this happened. It's, do they mean to do it? I don't know. But what difference does it make? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, oh, you diss me. I'm going to get back. And don't like that's, that's your ego, which is the, your ego is the immune system for yourself. It is not you. It is simply an immune system, which is supposed to identify threats and then muster defenses against them. But the problem is your ego was designed to identify threats running around the plains of Africa where there were real threats like lions, (laughs) things that were going to run you over and eat you. So so the ego tends to identify threats that aren't really there. You ever walk up to people are talking, you kind of walk up and they just start stop talking and look at you like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, they were talking bad about me. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Your ego, your ego said, no, 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 they were talking bad about me. And then, so it magnifies the threats that it sees and it sees threats that aren't really there. And so you're in charge. The coach will say, yeah, don't worry about it, move on. David, and that's a better way to live one, your life. Yeah. I know one person who already ordered 1,000 copies uh, of his book, your next one. Uh, to distribute to all our clients. And uh, it's the name of the person is Nick. He's just uh, with us in the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I know this email to Amazon went already out, Nick. I know you well <laughs> enough. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thomas, for create, for giving me the space to, uh, to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I wait about two years. I'm still, I, I could show you my office. I have all these books piled up that I need to be, um, like these, 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 these books and then the books behind the camera. You can't see them, but over here. Oh, wow. Where are they? All that, that's all about my, uh, my ego project. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, all right, guys. I, the biggest uh, bottleneck, David. It's the biggest bottleneck between what we're doing today and the the real potential that we have. It is for you as an individual. That's, it is for me. Yeah, it is. I like. Why don't I do this? Why don't I do that? Why don't I ask for help? Why don't I, you know, for, <laughs> forgive my parents? Thomas, it's up to you, is, guy. Let's yeah. ask. Is, what What did you want to ask? Is David ready for the question? Yeah, the final or famous Wrap final it up, question. Man. Give it to me right, right in the middle. David, we ask every podcast guest the same final question. Oh, Go I ahead, Thomas. Me- you're putting me under pressure. I hope I measure up. I hope your ego doesn't get in the way. My ego is <laughs> starting to get worried right now. David, I'm the CEO of a huge corporate, Vava traditional corporate. 
And I have watched all your videos on YouTube. I listened to this podcast here. I have read your book. And I can only say congratulations, David. You have reached it. You have convinced me I'm a believer. I'm a believer 100%. And even better, David, I want to start today. Now, I want to start. Yeah. And I only have one question to you. And the question is, what is the biggest mistake I can do, David? The single biggest mistake to make it fail, to make it fail despite all my good intentions. I would say the biggest mistake is thinking that it's other other people are the ones who need to change. <laughs> oh wow. The the, the 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 biggest mistake is not realizing that the problem is you. Yeah. All the change has to happen with you. And first of all, it's great that you're the CEO because when you change, everyone else will change. So don't say, oh, I really need you guys to speak up in meetings. In fact, never even say that. Just run the <laughs> meeting so that it's easier for people to speak up, especially if they have something unpleasant to tell the group. You really celebrate that stuff, or especially if it's about saying, um, hey, we don't know the answer to this. And we have, I heard this term, actually it was a European company told me this term, watermelon leadership or watermelon status meetings, which means it's everything's green. Like you have these green stoplight charts, yeah. green, but on the inside, yeah. it's all, it's, it's all, all good. Red. <laughs> it's just dysfunctional. So the other thing is, so the way to start is, um, when this COVID thing dies down and you start going back out to eat, see if you can get the server to choose for you what you're going to have, which I think is harder in Europe than it, than it tends to be in the United States, my experience, because I've tried this all over the world. But the idea is the normal way things happen is I walk in and I say, hey, what looks good? And the server says, well, the chicken looks really good but there's the fish looks good too. And I'll say, okay, great. I'll have the chicken. So I'm making the decision. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to do is push the authority to the person with the information, which is the server. So mm -hmm. you say, hey, I want you to pick, don't play it safe. Now, if you have peanut allergy, you should tell them. That's part of conveying clarity, but um, do that. Think about how you react. And that will be your first step to becoming a leader who can, empower and trust their people. David, I can't tell you how much energy I got out of this one hour of podcast if you can't tell you. And I saw on Nick's face, I saw Nick's face when you said, biggest mistake, uh, think the others have to change and, and don't look at you. I, I, I saw exactly the, the, the reaction. Yeah, on Nick's uh, face. Thomas, and, and you you know why? Because I I went through it myself. Uh, it was only when I when I when I started changing and really uh, accepting the fact that it it was me that needed to change, that I saw things around me changing as well. So that's 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 I I really when David uh, made that statement, it really like like yeah that's. That's the the essence of of my personal journey as well, and my insights over that journey. So, 
Um, yeah. And these are also, Nick, the biggest shock moments which we have, not for us, but for the CEOs we are talking to, eh? let's be clear, and exactly. the executive teams, when yeah. we come with that message. Yeah. It's, it's, Although but, when we when we say that in the beginning of the journey, Thomas, they they often uh, say, "Hey, <laughs> not too much self reflection, please." <laughs> Nick, I'm looking at your eyes now. Tell me how energized you are. I am so super, super, super energized for two reasons, Thomas. One, um, David is is such a source of inspiration uh, and his experiences are so fascinating. And two, um, he's seen as a, as a global um, trusted advisor in, in this domain. And I find a lot of confirmation in the messages and the rituals and the tools that we are offering to our customers, which also gives me a super energized feeling. Wonderful. Now talking about confirmation, I saw your eyes also litting up when he was talking about ego, which is one of your favorite dadas, Nick. So I give you the space now to give this feedback. Yeah, so... My biggest, uh, well, my biggest, my first biggest takeaway, key takeaway is that um, your ego, which is programmed based on your life experiences and which is developed to tell you when there's a threat and to, to harm you for threat, that, that, that is your biggest blocking factor in, um, in, in developing yourself into a leader um, like, uh, like, like Captain David. So the fact that he's writing a book about it is indeed a confirmation on how important self-reflection is as a leader. And also his answer to the last question, what is the biggest mistake, is not recognizing that um, it all starts with you. It's not about telling other people what to do. It's starting to do things differently yourself. And then people around you, if you're a leader, will also start doing things differently. So that was fantastic. Good one, Nick. And reminds me of uh, our famous discussions between you and me, where you say ego is the huge factor uh, against letting go of command and control. And where I am the good guy and say, Nick, there are also CEOs in this world who are reluctant of letting go of command and control out of a sense of responsibility, not only out of ego. I move on to the next one which is so important and which we should apply also much more with the clients in the future, is we against they. The moment you use the words they, they didn't come through with their product. They uh, have to deliver. We are still waiting for them, for the other team, you know, uh, to come through. The moment you use these words, you tell to your own brain, they are from another tribe and they are not to be trusted. And this pivotal moment when you switch or when they switch from the they to the we, we didn't come true. We made a mistake. We filled in the wrong batteries. That's so powerful. What do you think? 
Language is everything, Thomas. And um, while he was uh, talking about it, um, I made the reflection that you hear the word day a thousand times per day when we are we working. We hear it a thousand times a day. Yeah, Every when day when we're working with customers and we, we only hear the word we uh, a couple of times a day if, <laughs> if we hear it a couple of times a day. So... Mm -hmm. This is so real relevant, this key takeaway, because it is so ingrained in the nature of how we behave at work that if you're able to change that with quite a simple trick, just uh, empower each other and coach each other in using the word we instead of they, um, yeah, this is, this, is, this, is, this is great stuff. So, and we will hammer on it. We will hammer on it with every client, Nick. Which brings me, this switch, this pivotal switch from we, from day to we, he initiated that. David initiated that. Which brings me to the question, what the hell did he do still as the captain of this nuclear submarine? And my answer is, he guarded the culture like a hawk, right? Yeah, well, I, 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 I agree, and I, I like to rephrase it to even be more clear. He role modeled. He, mm -hmm. he, he, you know, I'm just feeling like guarding, guarding is not the right word. My English is not perfect, but it doesn't, it doesn't cover everything. He really role modeled, you know, when he was explaining like the urge mm -hmm. to do what you're programmed to do and then look at that and do something different because you know that's where you want to go that's that's not guarding that's that's role modeling that's that's it, yeah, so, it's true remember he did hit on the table yeah yeah yeah, it's yeah of strong, course it's a very strong role modeling <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's strong it's it, it is indeed strong role modeling uh, but i prefer guarding is like a passive action like you're you're standing on the side and you're guarding something. That's not what he does. He he was in the midst of things and he was showing mm -hmm. himself how he wants everybody to interact and collaborate with each other. Um, and and I think that's that's the most powerful thing. Love it. Next takeaway, Nick, please. Well, the next takeaway is. Um, um the one where um where you know how we always in the beginning of journeys try to inspire our customers to take time for dialogue to mm -hmm. take time about to to really talk about what is happening what they're observing what are the facts what are the effects on the organization and 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 um not talk about immediately about uh, what are the actions we should take. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point, David says, I don't care about giving feedback. I care about not having problems in the future. So that was a good one. Yeah. And, and uh, his, his remedy, his medicine is to, to take time to, for dialogue, to, to talk about, how, how, well, you intend to do this, um, how did you come about this, this intent? What are you seeing? Uh, why do you consider? So asking many how questions and why questions. And so in, in other words, having dialogue 
And this is so important, Thomas, as key takeaway, because in so many organizations, people are stressed out because they're always doing, 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 doing. And it's mm-hmm. the job of a leader to create that space for reflection and dialogue. That's my key takeaway. Great one, which brings me also to mind um, the time pressure issue. You know what I mean, Nick? Yeah. This one cannot fail. This one has to land. This time we have to make it. Do you recognize that, Nick? Yeah, and and it it blocks deep thinking in the in the neo uh, the frontal cortex. Uh, apparently, uh, when you put pre- time pressure on people, they stop. You you block them in uh, in in deep thinking about a problem, a challenge, and how to solve it. So you basically block creativity and and problem solving, which I which I also experience every day at customers where 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 pressure is so high that even we Thomas feel, you know, we, we even mm-hmm. we feel tensed. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, With the difference that we say it. Yeah, we say it. Yeah. So, how many million takeaways do we have from this podcast, Nick? And how many seconds and minutes do we still have left? Um. Well, I think we can continue the conversation both with David <laughs> and then with 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 ourselves uh, afterwards uh, for a couple of days. Um, but I suggest that we that we that we bury down to the to the raw essentials and try to inspire as many companies as we can with those. And with that, we start immediately, Nick. That's a, and then that's, that's a promise, and we'll. Uh, that's a, that's that's a promise, done, okay. Nick. Great, Thomas. Now we're off to the next one.